Have you ever wondered what it's like to be LGBT and buying properties in Singapore? Do you have friends who might be going through this process soon? What will they be missing out if they assume that LGBT buying properties in Singapore is the same as straight people buying properties? What are the things about buying properties they should know sooner rather than later? And how do they best prepare for their property purchase? If you're curious to learn more from this perspective, keep listening. Hey guys, I want to give a special shout out to our Instagram page. If you have yet to follow us there, what are you waiting for? Follow our cute little coconut for great reminders, content snippets, and great vibes to perfume your day. We know you'll love it as we expand our ecosystem to journey with you every step along the way. So come on to the Financial Coconut Instagram page now. Tag us whenever you see some interesting stuff. Help grow our community together. Link is in the description below. Welcome back to another day on the Coconut Avenue. Join us as we explore various property insights, investment strategies, and challenging property myths out there today. We'll be bringing on investors and experts in the game to share with us their insights and stories to better prepare us for our journey. Whether you're looking at your first property or building a bucket of gold through properties, there's something for you here. Ultimately, it's about helping you find your unique game plan. Today, we'll be going in-depth about properties in the LGBT space. We are joined by William, who is the co-founder of Pryden. The goal of Pryden is to help LGBT thrive in our society. He's also a licensed realtor from SRI. Ready to learn more? Let's go! I don't really hear people talk about the challenges that a member of the LGBT community faces. William, can you elaborate on the challenges that a LGBT member faces in Singapore's real estate market? Okay, I think, well, it comes to LGBT uh, community. I think one of the biggest problems is um, there's lack of information tailored for the LGBTQ audience in yes. Singapore. So without that, they are not able to um, plan and understand the property cycle and how to properly plan for the property uh, purchase and all transactions. Um, also, the other thing is there's a lack of um, understanding or training in the real estate agents kind of the community itself a lot of um, agents are not familiar with lgbt issues yeah. so for myself doing it in this sector you know a lot of my clients are in the lgbt community yes they find the comfort to talk to me in a sense that you know uh, it's a lot easier to open a discussion about certain things they might not be able to share with uh, some other maybe a heterosexual agent about certain things that they need yeah uh, maybe they might be buying a property with a partner, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Yeah. But to bring that topic out might be something sensitive. Yes. So that is one of the challenge that, you know, I think as a community we face. But I think of course there are also other things that are more macro factors. Yeah, give me a moment. But you mentioned, you know, even let's say the agent is LGBT, they mm. might not be well trained to mm. handle the questions from an LGBT client. Mm. That's why um, the information is scarce. Yeah, because I think right now if you look around at uh, most of the marketing messages that you see in the market, right? Yeah. You know, uh, you just browse through Facebook. Mm. You always get a lot of, you know, uh, property ads being yes. Um, yes. talked to you about, you know, they talk about, oh, how do you buy a property? How do you uh, sell your property, sell your property and buy two property? You know, yeah. a lot of all these strategies or all these concepts are tailored at a very uh, straight audience. Yes. 
potentially they're trying to target uh, couples, yeah. married couple, how they can use that. But if we look at LGBT, we are primarily looking at single people or maybe they might be coupled with somebody else, yes. but they don't form your traditionally what we call a family unit. Yeah. So the structure of how you know the industry is or, or the, the marketing messages are being crafted are not tailored for, for us. Yeah. I think price-wise, obviously, is already a big uh, challenging factor, mm. right? We all know that buying property in Singapore is very expensive. Yes. Most people will not think about buying a property in a private sector right on, on set. But, you know, if we look at the straight community or the straight people, they can always buy together as a couple, right? Everybody knows uh, buying a property is like, okay, let's go to ROM, get yeah. married, yeah. means you are going to buy property, you right? get a BTO. Correct. So BTO becomes a very natural option for a lot of people when they enter the market. But when it comes to LGBT, again, you see, okay, we cannot buy. First of all, marriage is not legal for, for us. Yes. So people will naturally just think, okay, I'll wait until I'm 35, law. I use the single skin single uh, to yeah. enter the market. Uh, private, too expensive. So a lot of people will naturally forget the idea of buying a property in the private sector. And uh, they'll wait until 35. So they normally stay at home or a lot of them rent outside to wait until they're 35. So this is a, a very, this is one of the things that I think a lot of people might face. I think... Uh, and I can't say this for every single people. Yeah. Uh, some people might have, uh, might be out to family who are very understanding. Lucky for them. There are also a lot of people who, first of all, they might come out of the family. Family might not be encouraging or they actually make life really difficult for them. Yes. They have no choice. They have to decide to rent. Mm. Okay. There are also people who prefer to, without you know, uh, interfering with what their family life is, they choose to rent out on the excuse that they want to find their own thing because they want to lead their own life. Yes. So people might end up actually renting a uh, property because they have no choice, right? Uh, yeah. They want to live their life on their own and not be in a closet, you know, at yeah. home. But then when you rent, you have to pay the monthly rental. It just delays their savings oh, to Correct. save for that private property or HDB at 35. Correct. So a lot of people, I think in generally in Singapore, maybe for guys, we probably start our work if we go to university. You enter the workforce maybe what, 24, 25. Yeah, 24, 25. So at that point of time, you're already, you know, uh, kind of like in your mid-20s. If you start renting a place and you rent for a good five years, you know, you spend about $1,500 a month. Yeah. All those money that you could save into maybe putting into a down payment for a private property when you're 30 is lost. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that I said, you know, a lot of people might end up renting for a long period of time and they forget the importance of actually maybe planning for doing a real uh, home investment. Yes. So what are the other challenges you see on top of this one as well for LGBT member? I think the other thing that um, obviously would be a problem would be the government policies that you know has been you know laid out for the property yeah. industry you know, yeah. segment. I think we all know that first we're talking about HDB, right? HDB is designed in such a way to encourage family unit. Yes. You know. for, so for a long time uh, since we got independence, HDB was set up, you know, uh, the increase government the was, rate, correct, government was trying rate. to basically uh, put a roof over every family unit. Yes. So family is a very strong thing. It's only during 1991 that um, singles are able to start buying 
uh, HDB yeah. from a resale market. Mm. So I was just looking through it and then single people, in this case, when I say single, I'm using that as a avenue for LGBT people okay. to buy into. Yeah would be able to buy from HDB directly only 2013. And this is quite recent. Yeah. So for a long time, you know, we didn't have a lot of choice to when it comes to uh, HDB purchase. Yes. Uh, you can buy resale market. Resale market is a lot more expensive. Mm. So the BTO opportunity has not been open to us until, you know, 2013. Yeah. And... I guess because of that, you know, um, the HDB also have all these um, grants for family a lot higher than LGBT yes. or single people. Yeah. Do you know that actually if a single person want to buy a BTO from uh, HDB, mm. they actually have to pay a 15000 extra premium on top of what a straight person would have to pay. Wow. So meaning what you see in a BTO price, if they buy a two-bedroom, yeah. they have to pay another 15000 And then they don't have that much grants as well. Grants are a lot lesser for them, obviously, because uh, you're single, you yeah. don't have a double income, mm. the income ceiling is a lot lower. And also, you can only select two uh, bedroom flexi yes. in non-mature estate. Yeah. So a lot of all these limitations puts, okay, the idea of, okay, I went to 35, I buy BTO. So that's a little bit difficult for you know people to, to select. Yeah. And not a lot of people end up buying maybe resale. Yes. So we under 35 and buy the resale HDB. Yeah. So 35 is also another issue that, you know, uh, it's almost become like a landmark time. Okay? Yes. A lot of people think, okay, 35 is the year you buy your own flat. You, know, you have your own single. life. Yeah, yeah, you are single, you, are, you can buy something when you're 35. Yeah. But I choose to think that 35 is a little bit too late for most of us yeah. to be planning to go into property. Okay, I have my thoughts about why, but... I just want to know why do you think it's too late to go into property at 35? I think first of all, I think when you're 35, you're already in the mid-30s. I yeah. think it's a good time in the sense that you are probably very stable in income. You're making a good uh, income. But a lot of us started planning for this much later. Mm. You know? So when you're 35, you probably start looking at the market maybe about 32, 33. So thinking, oh, two years time, I'm going to buy a plan. Yes, yes. Then they start calculating, okay, I don't really have enough money, you know, uh, because they didn't think about this much earlier. Yeah. So by doing that, they end up not being able to have enough money to maybe buy an ideal unit that they want. What, what if they eat bread every day? <laughs> Safe also cannot. I think if they had start earlier, mm. uh, they would have a lot more options. Yeah. So I find a lot of people when they're 35, they end up, you know, um, say, okay, I only have this much money. Yeah. I spend most of my maybe 20s or my early 30s spending on a lot of other things. I didn't save enough. Yeah. So now when I'm 35, I might buy certain things that might be just based on what they are. Yeah. I think the other thing is also when you look at your 35, if you were to buy an HDB flat, HDB has this uh, MOP period, five yes. years. Yes. Okay. So if I'm a single gay person, I buy HDB flat when I'm 35, I have to wait until I'm 40 years old yes. before I can reconsider selling that HDB away, mm. upgrading to another HDB yeah. or maybe buying a private. Yeah. So with each of these five years that I move into, I'm actually getting older and older. Yes. And age is a very important factor when it comes to taking uh, bank loans. Well, why? Because when you're getting older, the bank tenure that you can get will be shorter which means oh. that you might have to pay a higher interest or okay. higher installment yeah. when you take a bank loan. So that's why I always believe that if you want to buy property or you want to plan, you know, start as young as you can. Mm. Uh, 
plan as young as you can because you want to go through the whole property cycle. Yeah. So that you are able to reap the benefits of capital gains and things like that. Mm. So on top of you know the, the disadvantages of being late to the game, it's not just higher interest rate, but because they might possibly earn lesser when they sell their unit because they miss the property cycle. Correct. Mm. I mean, it really depends on uh, individual. So like I always think, you know, um, and I have always met a lot of clients. Some of them might have this mindset, say, oh, I just want to buy a property, yeah. live in it forever. They don't care about profit. And Correct. The they stuff. don't care about profit and stuff. But they're only maybe 35 years old. I said, you know, um, yes. a lot of people go into this mindset thinking they're not uh, going to move away. Yeah. But generally looking at, you know, uh, how people are thinking about, eight to 10 years, people will always think about wanting to change the environment. Scenario so when you place. start thinking about that at that point, mm. it's like, yeah, I didn't plan for it earlier. Yeah. Uh, I always thought I was going to stay into it. But then, yeah. you know, the opportunity comes, right? Your lifestyle might change. You yeah. might have a partner later in your life. Yeah. Then your needs require to be bigger. Then mm. you want to sell. It's a bit too late. So you are suggesting there's no harm in actually being safe and sorry. Lah. Plan early. If you don't want to change your house, you don't have to change. Lah. But if you plan early and you really want to change, you still have the leeway to change. That's correct. I mean, um, that's what I, I do with my clients. You, yeah. Usually, um, when I consult my client, I'll just sit down with them and just ask them what's their goal really. Yeah. Do they plan to buy this unit on their own? You know, do they see capital gains as a important factor? Yeah. Do they see themselves actually maybe uh, buying this unit now, but in the future, maybe you have another person in your life, mm. right? You get coupled. You all want to plan to buy something together. Yes. So all these things becomes point for consideration. Yeah. And for me to sit down with them and lay out the different options and create a different structure. Say, okay, if you're going to go certain route, uh, you're going to stay single forever. Mm. You know, this is what you can do. Yeah. Right. And you don't mind not uh, making a lot of capital gains. This is what you can do. Yeah. But if you're already, you know, partnered with somebody, there's also a different strategy that I will prescribe to tell them and sit down. Okay. If you're going to buy something together, HDB or private sector. Yeah. You know, when it comes to couple, there are also more sensitive things to talk about. It will be things like, okay, legal issues. Mm. Right. Because, as an LGBT couple, we are not legally married. Yeah. When you co-share a unit together, either HDB or a private property, yeah. you also need to look at things like, let's say if something happens to one person, yeah. that whole legacy and estate planning has to be put in place. Mm. So I talked to them a little bit about wills planning, yeah. about making sure that there is a lasting power of attorney yeah. provided into For their contract so that they can protect each other. Okay. Uh, because it happens to me before that, you know, a friend of mine bought a unit of private property with his boyfriend. Yeah. He unfortunately got a stroke. Okay. All right. And he was in a hospital for quite a long time. Mm. And during this period of time, um, they were trying to market the unit of uh, property away. Yes. But because he didn't put in a lasting power attorney, the house was actually under two names. Oh. But because he is not able in a mental capacity to sell off the unit, the house was stuck. So they cannot make a decision because it needs two parties to Correct. decide. Okay, okay. Yeah. So this was one of the things that reminded me how important it is for us to make sure that when you co-invest something with somebody, yeah. uh, all these additional factors come into play. But let's say if it's a straight couple, right? Mm. Then the same case scenario play out. They don't need a lasting power of attorney. I mean, if you're married, obviously yeah. the 
the natural way of you know things that your your spouse will be able to make decisions. Yeah. Okay. You know? Okay. But when it comes to a uh, two friends, Singers, yeah, a couple, you yeah. know, not married, not legally uh, recognized as married, yeah, it becomes a little bit more difficult mm. to discuss. Okay. You know? Okay. So in the eye of the law, there are ways for us to put into certain uh, things. It's just that I think that right now, there is not enough information out there to provide to the community. Mm. So uh, a lot of people don't do it. Yeah. And that is one of the things why I'm very strongly, you know, advocating this whole idea of, you know, educating LGBT about estate planning, about how we actually go about planning these things together when you have uh, somebody else in your life. Yeah. And I think maybe other LGBT agents, if they haven't experienced your story, mm. maybe they wouldn't have emphasized on that as well. Maybe they sometimes they would just let it go. But because you have seen this, then it I, really I guess so. I guess yeah. so. I, I also put a, a lot of my own experience into what I do. Mm. Um, again, it depends also on, you know, for agents, yeah. you know, the, the goal. Some people are just happy with um, serving the mass market. Yes. Because there is already so much... Uh, married couples for them to yeah. actually serve. But for myself, I feel that, you know, um, I wanted to also, you know, while I'm doing the mass market as yeah. well, I also feel that, you know, because I'm an LGBT person myself, yeah. I want to be able to give back and find ways to contribute and help the community. Yeah, Because if you don't help them, then the other agents will be in Correct. a lesser capacity to help them also. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Hey Coconuts, if you're someone who wants to learn how to pick stocks to make passive income, this is for you. The fifth person has created a dividend investing program that teaches you how to invest for income while avoiding the companies that will go bankrupt. Thousands of people have already taken their program and are getting between 8 to 12% each year. They've just opened up a whole new intake and if you sign up through us, you'll be getting access to our members back end too, which is focused on the very thing you're interested in, investing. Learn more at thefinancialcoconut.com slash dividend. That's thefinancialcoconut.com slash dividend. Link is in the description below. But let's say, right, there is a LGBT couple that thinks about capital appreciation, thinks about using properties as a way to increase their net worth. What do you suggest as the ultimate game plan for their property portfolio? Maybe starting from when they are 20 years old, how should they save? How should they plan ahead? Mm. Okay, I think when it comes to the idea of giving game plan, obviously I think there is no um, cookie-cutter approach. I mm. think every couple's current financial uh, situation will yes. come to place. Yeah. Obviously, like I mentioned earlier, I always sit down with my clients and I'll go through their financial analysis, look mm. at the different, uh, what are their goals? Are they yeah. trying to look at buying one property together okay, or they want to find a strategy for them to actually, you know, uh, co-invest in a unit under each person's name. Yes. So those are different ways that you could uh, actually strategize something. It's almost the same as straight couple in a private sector. Mm. You hear a lot about um, straight people actually um, selling the HDB flat and then yeah. they go and buy two private property together. Yes. Husband own one. Wife owns one. Then the family will stay, stay in one. one. The other person rent will rent out. Okay. So this kind of strategy of uh, owning two property in the private sector can be applied to a LGBT couple as well. Yes. So you're saying that okay, if two of them wants to come up with a strategy on trying to maybe invest in something together. Maybe one of them could buy a, a smaller unit mm. to invest. 
and then they find a nicer unit, you know, or it could even be a HDB, right? Yeah. Move in there together. What needs to be taken care of is obviously those little, little legal issues that you need to attend to. Yeah. That we take for granted in a straight couple. Mm. So maybe you might need to also talk to a legal advisor. I'm not legal trained, but I always tell my clients, you know, these are certain things that could be done. Yeah. And I'll refer them to the right um a lawyer yeah and i know a lot of um legal advisors who are very lgbt friendly and they deal with a lot of lgbt clients mm. they help them in making sure that uh the wheel planning um the lpas and sometimes they even might have a subcontract each other like an agreement that yeah. you know somebody is contributing to a certain part of uh, the home and uh, how should it be distributed if that property gets sold away yeah so these are little little things that i will advise them you know when it comes to buying properties together. Mm. But what about, let's say, do you have uh, general principles or guiding factors for an LGBT member who's looking to increase their net worth through property? Any, mm. any general trends to follow? I think a lot of things that I, I learned from uh, property, you know, uh, to the mass market will also apply. But what I always think about is um, property, you know, is no longer a passive investment. Yeah. It used to be a lot of people think that, okay, buy a property, you know, hold it there for years, the appreciation will, yeah. you'll make a lot of money. I think gone are the days where we know our parents' time, right? They buy a property and then, you know, maybe 20 years down the road, it tripled, made a lot of money out yes. of it. Yeah. However, property market these days are very different, especially yeah. on, I think a turning point will be 2013. Why? Because government actually... um started uh, coming into active play in the way property market is being uh, moving around. Mm. Uh, I'm sure you heard about cooling measures that government okay. have done. Yeah, you know, all the, the regulations. Uh, taxes, you know, and all those things that has been laid in place. It started controlling a lot of way, the way prices are, are moving for property. Mm. Okay. Uh, before 2013, you know, uh, in the early 2000s, a lot of people are buying multiple properties. Yes. Uh, they're leveraging a lot. They're buying a lot of property. You see a lot of people holding two, three properties. Uh, some of them are still holding those properties now. Yeah. They just cannot sell now. They, yeah. If they sell and they buy again, they will gun out the ABSD, yeah. right? Yeah. So those were the days. So right now, you know, when it comes to property, you know, uh, this is a very new era, you know, a person who is going into a property, whether you're straight or you're gay, you know, uh, need to understand that, you know, buying a property is not a passive investment. Unless, of course, you tell me that, okay, this is my retirement home. I just want to live in it. I don't care about appreciation. Yeah. But if the topic is about, okay, whether we can actually buy a property that will grow in time with us, then, you know, this will be a principle I will I remember. Mm. So that's why I mentioned earlier, you need to always start young, yeah. save up because time is key. Yes. Right now, what we see is probably a general property cycle, all right, which when I say cycle, it means you go in, you buy and probably you sell off. Maybe like a good five to seven years mm. is a good period of, and we observe a lot of people doing that. Okay. So buying at the right entry price, exit when it's profitable, this concept, you know, uh, applies. So a lot of people are trying to spot, uh, is this the bottom of the market yet? Is this the best time to buy? Is there any uh, distress sales, fire mm. sale, things yeah. like this? I hear that all the time for clients. But, you know, when it comes to general trend like this, you know, you really have to go in there and look around at, you know, there are always good units out there or good projects that's being in the market. Yeah. But you want to make sure that when you make a decision buy, you study enough information to know that it is the right entry price. Yeah. 
uh, a lot of people will buy new launches because they think that you know you buy direct from developer, it will grow. By the time it completes, you know, which is a good four, four to five yeah. years time. That's why I say uh, probably it's like a lot of people actually buy new property, mm. uh, waiting for it to complete and to then profit sell it. off, yeah. right? So that is a very natural kind of uh, thinking, and it has its truth there, but it also doesn't apply to every single project. Yeah, project otherwise everyone apply, is millionaire. Already. Obviously. So it's very uh, important for, you know, whoever is buying this to go into a mindset that, mm. okay, you know, you need to go in with eyes wide open, you know, consult your agent properly and make sure your agent is well-versed enough with those information. Yeah. So this kind of properties generally um, principles apply to me. Mm. And I think the other thing that a lot of things that I probably would talk about, people might disagree with is the whole concept of HDB leaving. Okay. Right? HDB is great, but... Don't jump into HDB just right with the onset or think that it's the only option that you have. So, right? so a lot of people actually, okay, okay, buy BTO, mm. you know, uh, the first thing. But a lot of times we also find that HDB has a lot of limitations. Once you buy HDB, right, obviously uh, you have the MOP period locks you in. If you buy a BTO, all right, you're looking at at least about eight to nine years of time you're locked in. Yes. Let's say you, you go and apply for BTO, Right when you're thirty, yeah, you won't be able to buy another property, you know, or even talk about you know property maybe until you're thirty nine, forty, yeah, because three to four years of waiting for APTO to be ready, five years of MLP, that will take away your maybe precious two cycles from your property cycle oh. where you could potentially make some kind of uh, capital gains. Mm. So that's one of the things that I think you know uh, if I think as Singaporeans we are entitled to have a HDB. Yes. But there's also a lot of people thinking now, okay, you know, with all this talk about HDB losing its lease, you know, our value is going to drop, you know, should we buy HDB or not? Yeah. I think there are still values in HDB. Definitely. You know, um, because a lot of time HDB are well situated in a nice location with mm. lots of amenities. Yes. Uh, if your goal is to, you know, um, get a comfortable place to live in, you don't really care about um, facilities in a condo, uh, HDB is still a good way uh, of living. Yeah. But plan very carefully to think about when you want this stage of uh, owning an HDB in. Yeah. So I will sometimes tell people, I say, you know, if you're young and if you can afford to, you know, go into private sector first, mm. right? Go a few rounds. Yeah. And then maybe once you make enough uh, profit, yes, you can start downgrading to maybe HDB in your later years. But that's when they are late 50s, 60s. Potentially. So for example, I can say, I would maybe, you know, if a, uh, LGBT person come to me today and he's young, I will tell him, I say, I'll just give you a very broad guideline, all right? Aim to buy maybe something when you're 30 years old. Mm. Don't wait until you're 35. So if you have time, I will sit down with you and I'll tell you how much you need to save Yeah. Uh, so that you can buy a very, maybe a studio, one bedroom when you're 30 years old. So they have to start saving when they're early 20s. Lah. I think obviously... Um, Again, this is not a cookie cutter approach. Yeah, okay. Not everybody has the kind of income. Some people might even have money where they, you know, the second generation, yeah. uh, parents might have money for them to, yeah. to buy. Yeah. So if they're lucky enough, a lot of them can actually pro potentially buy a private property when they're 30. Mm. Uh, give it a good five years. When you're 35 years old, look at how the property is doing. If it's doing well, you can potentially exit. At that point, you could look at HDB. Yeah. You could look at another private property. Okay. Enter another cycle and you go for, you know, another five to six years. Mm. Exit again. Yeah. So maybe when you're 30s and 40s, 
it's a good time for you to go through your whole property cycle. You can maybe, you know, profit another two cycles from there. Yeah. Maybe when you're 50s, you know, you could potentially be owning two property, living on one, renting, uh, one. renting the other one, mm. right? If you make enough money, sometimes it might be worthwhile for you to look at the ABSD. You know? Yeah. Plan it carefully or it's not a, a bad thing. Yeah. And then when you're 60s or you're in your late 50s, look at maybe starting to go away from your private mm. and you start going back into HDB. That's why I said, you know, HDB could be left to a later part of your planning. Because mm. then- when you start going to HDB, you are... You have less obligations, a yeah. lot more uh, comfortable as well because you might have bigger space. Yeah. And you can actually, you know, use that as a retirement planning. And then you have more cash as well because Correct. you cash out from the two private Correct. that you have. Correct. Understood, understood. So that's your suggested game plan uh, without it being a cookie cutter. Correct. I think that's a very general approach. Again, I would, I would suggest and uh, that, you know, everything has to be done with uh, proper planning. Mm. Uh, every person who, who talks to me have their own plan. They have their own needs. Some people might value certain things more than the others. Yes. Right? Some people say, okay, I, I have to live in a very big, comfortable place. Yeah. So a lot of times I have to look at those factors and say, okay, you know, in that case, you might want to maybe live further away from city. Yeah. But if you want to live near the city with a budget, you probably have to make do with a slightly smaller apartment yeah okay okay since you, we are on planning i just want to ask you uh, for all the gay people out there you know what should they look out for when they are planning to rent a place okay i think on this subject of rental um and we we, we spoke about this earlier i said a lot of people actually do not have a choice um mm. they either move out because they want to go away from their family so they can lead their Gay Point life, yep. you know, uh, uh, easily. I mean, they want to be themselves. They don't want to be constrained by, okay, I have to pretend to be something I'm not. So, obviously, the goal to move out rent is to live a free life. Yes. But, you know, the sad reality is sometimes, you know, in a rental market, you know, unless you rent a whole unit yourself or you share it with your best friends, your buddies, your partner, uh, you might be in a situation where you are sharing with flatmates who might not be LGBT friendly mm. or they might not know about you. I think for guys, it's not so bad. Yeah. I think for girls, uh, it might be a danger for them actually to be maybe sharing a flat with people who might not be so uh, friendly. You mean right? they will get attacked? Bullying or and bullying. All. attack could be possible. Mm. Um, so this kind of things become something that we want to be very careful with. Uh, obviously, this would be a point of consideration. The other thing would be your relationship with landlord. Um, yeah. If you rent a unit um, with a landlord staying in the house, obviously, if they are very uh, anti, you know, LGBT, you know, um, then if they find out, there are a lot of things that could happen. All right. And this is something that we we talk about. You know, the terms of the tenancy agreement. Yes. Right now, inside most tenancy agreement, there is always a clause that says that uh the landlord has a right to evade you if you are involved in illegal activities. Mm. Okay, so but illegal activity is very vague. Yeah. All right. He could potentially just say that, hey, you bought a guy home uh, and you guys were having sex at home. Yeah. All right. You know that under 377A, it's illegal for two men to have sex even mm. if you give, you give consent to each other. Yeah. That could potentially give rise to a little... Conflict. Conflict. And ah. they might use that as an excuse to 
drive you out. Yeah. So these are obviously things that, you know, uh, on top of normal rental issues, you know, yeah. uh, being a gay people, we have to be very mindful of when you get a contract, make sure that you go through it carefully. Mm. Uh, make sure your agent is able to pre-filter these kind of things or preempt the landlord or search for units that are at least LGBT friendly. Yeah. Okay. So this is one of the things that I also uh, do quite a lot. And yeah. I think you probably saw one of the Facebook page that I created, you know, which is a LGBT rental and uh, property group. Mm. So within the community, there's a lot of people actually, you know, sharing things, you know, which other. So I hope that create a little safe space for people to discuss or actually put up units for sale and they can, they're left on their own to actually go, go through the negotiations. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think a lot of uh, our friends who have LGBT friends should, should recommend their LGBT friends to listen to this episode because I have never heard of uh, all this information from, from other places as well. So I think it's yeah. quite interesting to have you on this podcast to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, because quite honestly, when I, I, when I started doing this, I talked to even LGBT uh, people they say, oh, buy property. Uh, what's the difference? Same, same as people are uh, just buy law. Yeah. Just find the contract and all these things. But then I said, you know, um, let me sit you down and I discuss certain things. I'll ask them questions. Then they started realizing, oh yeah, I never really thought about that. Mm. I never really thought about, you know, when things goes wrong, yeah. uh, what should I do? Yeah. Uh, this whole planning, you know, sharing, you know, and this whole things of the difference between us buying a HDB versus a couple buying it you know yeah so their awareness is not there awareness is not there so i i feel that you know by what i'm doing on my blog and what i'm doing on priden yeah uh it helps to create this uh conversation going yeah and obviously we want to make sure that uh moving forward i'm able to provide a lot more information mm. in small little bites you know in interviews like this yeah to help uh create that awareness out there yeah yeah okay Thank you for coming, William. Do you have any uh, last sentences to, to say on this podcast for um, LGBT community? I think I'm very honored to be able to given this opportunity to share this. And obviously, I think, uh, I hope that um, through this podcast, we are able to reach out to more people out there who wants to know a little bit more about uh, how LGBT planning for uh, real estate is. You know, feel free to reach out to me and uh, happy to give you guys you know, my, my two cents worth. Okay, thank you, William. Thank you All for right. coming. Thank you. Hey, thanks for taking time to tune in. I hope you've learned a little bit more about property investing today. If you feel like you have benefited from this podcast, do share this with your loved ones. Also, do follow us on all our socials and join our community telegram group and tell us what you're interested to know about next. Everything is in the description below. Have a great day ahead guys and always remember, when we are better prepared, the next opportunity is just around the corner. See you next week. I really wonder why this knowledge isn't shared more often. Like what William mentioned, a lot of all these LGBT news are about propagating your rights. The news don't really propagate how to live better as a LGBT in Singapore. Of course, maybe it's because I'm not in the community. That's why I don't know much. But I think they should really share this knowledge within their community more. It really didn't strike me beforehand that there were so many things to consider for LGBT people buying properties. 
they seem to be stuck between a hard place and a rock right now in Singapore. And without proper planning, it's hard. It's hard for them to own a place. I know people in the community will definitely benefit from this. So yeah, if you think your LGBT friends will benefit from this episode, do send this to them. Because I think that info like this is hard to come by.